0: Hello, sister friends and other guests. Welcome to Her Path Radio, a program dedicated to helping women on their journey to finding their purpose, aspire to greatness,
1: seeking transformative change, and inspiring hope. We are committed to uplifting our sisters and helping them live their best life. We are excited to introduce you to influential sisters from around the world who will share their journey and inspire us all to reach our purpose while lifting our communities. So who are we? I'm Karen. I'm a
0: retired chemist and entrepreneur, as well as the executive director and CEO of a nonprofit STEM program for girls and one of the co-hosts of Her
1: Path Radio podcast. And I'm Lenita, the co-host of Her Path and a business compliance lawyer supporting women entrepreneurs. And we are both dedicated to providing this forum where women empower women.
0: Exactly some people may ask, why a new podcast? Aren't there too many out there today? The answer to that is no. There are so many women who are just beginning their journey and designing or redesigning their destiny that there is always a need for the platform like this
1: to share experiences and knowledge and to be an encouragement for our sisters. That's right. Encouragement is the key. And we will introduce our listeners to a powerful woman who continues to help others on their journey right after this quick break. Hey, Lenita. We are on our second podcast, and I am
0: so excited to use this forum to highlight women business owners doing great things to support their community. Today, we are highlighting one of our favorite florists, Nail Rice, the owner of Debbie's Floral Shop. She's a mentor, and advocate for minority businesses, and continues to support to nonprofit organizations throughout
1: the Chicago land area. That's right, Karen. Having known Nell for over 25 years, I can say it is still a mystery to me how she manages service to the community as well as her business. As you know, Debbie's Floral Shop is committed to offering only the finest floral arrangements and gifts, backed by service that is friendly and prompt. Because all of their customers are important, their professional staff is dedicated to making every customer's experience a pleasant one. That is why we always know that they go the extra mile to provide just the perfect gift. And that's why you and I encourage our listeners to let Debbie's Floral Shop be their first choice for flowers. remember sister friends, if
0: you are in need of beautiful, creative floral arrangements for any and all occasions, Please contact your new sister friend, Nell Rice, by phone at 847-949-4454 or via her website at www.debbiesflurralshop.com. And that's debbiefloralshopp com. And if you are in the Chicagoland area, please feel free to stop by her shop at 421- North Lake Street in Monday Illinois. Remember to tell her, her or her staff, that you heard about her shop on Her Path Radio. Thank you, sister friends.
1: And now we're going to introduce to some and reintroduce and make acquainted for others, a wonderful speaker, author, uh, an excellent advocate for diversity and inclusion. I'm not going to steal her thunder. I'm going to allow her to share all that she's done uh, over the last 25 plus years. Anise Wiley-Little, welcome to Her Path.
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Well, please introduce yourself. Tell us about your background and all the great things you're doing because we know who you are, but our audience across the globe have no idea of all the impact you are having in your industry? Well, thank you, um,
2: Anise Wiley Little. I have been a corporate executive for many, many years. And uh, when it was time for me to step away from that wonderful opportunity, I chose to spend my time writing, speaking, consulting. And today um, I spend my time really uh, coaching other executives. So other chief diversity officers. Um, As an HR professional, I was a generalist. And so that was about uh, knowing every aspect of human resources. But there are a couple areas that I spent a great amount of time in, compensation, compensation, something that I absolutely loved. And as an introvert, you know, spending my time behind a computer and numbers is something that I loved. But I found that um, strategy was really my sweet spot. And I was asked to take over uh, diversity and inclusion in work life. And initially, it was something that I pushed really hard against because it wasn't something that I wanted to do. And it was all about my interpretation of what that work was. But my CEO at the time explained to me that, you know what, this is all about strategy building. And that's what you're good at. And that's what I need you to do for me is to build strategy so that you can embed something that's going to be really challenging to tear down when... I make my exit and one day when you leave the organization. And so that's really what I uh, spend my time on. It's diversity inclusion, but it's really about building strategy, uh, no matter where you might be. And so um, that's where I spend my time today. I took the time when I left corporate to write a book called Profitable Diversity, how economic inclusion can lead to success. And the premise of that uh, approach to diversity was when I would talk about the numbers, the dollars, compensation, that you know what, this is not just uh, something that is a give back or social, it's how organizations make their money. And we shouldn't apologize for that. And it was about how diversity drives profits in organizations. And it is a book that you can take a chapter. You can take a subject and you can deep dive into, or it can be something light. So I always got the question, Anise, what should I do? What can I do? And, you know, I should not be the one telling you everything that you should do. So I can hand this book to someone and say, you know what, take a read over the weekend and then let's have lunch on Monday. And then we can talk about where they were inspired, and it's not something that is for the practitioner that knows all about diversity. It's for the layperson. It's for the person who just wants to make a change and is looking to be inspired as to how they can do that. So profitable diversity is uh, a way that allows me to give back. And I it love to write. Wonderful. Sorry. I, I love to read. So yeah. so, that's so, so much. Like, Amis, it's
1: it's really and and I, I wanted to jump in here because what you're saying just so resonates with uh, both Karen and I in that we came out of corporate at a time when. Uh, Diversity and inclusion was abbing and flowing. Uh, there were several years where diversity and wonderful um, ancillary or uh, groups were were formed in order to address or to certainly be able to have opportunity for minorities uh, to move throughout the corporation to mentor one another. Uh, books like uh, your uh, um, profitability absolutely needed, and I can see where. You would uh, use that as a springboard.
0: Can't you, Karen? I do too. In fact, one of the questions I have for your niece is that tell us about a situation that truly transformed you. You know, I, I can tell
2: you that um, in diversity, I had the opportunity to spend uh, a lot of time outside of the organization because part of um, Diversity is not just doing the work, but for an organization, it's also telling your story. And it is about building community. And when I get feedback from business owners that tell me, Anise, you know, you were the first person that truly made an investment in my organization, or you were the first person that sponsored me and allowed my business to grow. Um, you know, that's transformative. That's where diversity began to really connect with me. Because what I could see is that I was now in a place where I could change lives. And when you can change someone's life or give them the inspiration to do something bigger and better than they've ever dreamed, that's where it makes a difference. And that's where it's transformative, not only to them but to you as well. And it inspires you to take on the next person. And today with so much going on, um, there's just ample opportunity. I also spent time with Kellogg School of Management. Um, My uh, previous CEO, he was a board of trustee and he's the one who kind of got me interested in looking at an opportunity like that. It was really all about building their capability when it comes to diversity and in human resources so we we built all of that infrastructure Um, before we decided to to go back and doing the things that we enjoyed and loved. Uh, But it was also about reaching to the community to um, find a place where chief diversity officers could learn and grow and thrive. So we were able to put on some really big summits around chief diversity officers that gave them that learning. And today, that chief diversity officer job, it is the fastest growing title in the C-suite. And so there are so many chief diversity officers that are new to the role, and they're saying, now, what do I do? I've been appointed, so what's next? And being able to walk them through their strategy, to help them build their strategy, and to coach them
1: through what can be a challenging, challenging role, um, has been an enjoyable. I love that. That actually is, uh, a pitch to the next question we have for you, which is, um, given the fact that you have so much or such an explosion of chief diversity officers and that that new C-suite title uh, is is coming and being given to individuals that may not have that background and experience, I imagine that it's really moving you in a direction to, to coach, to mentor, to lead, to educate. And so my question is, what's something that people seem to misunderstand about what you do? So when it comes to this work, I think
2: that people don't understand that diversity has to be defined in the context with which you're in. And so you have so many chief diversity officers that are um, being appointed. Um, And I talk about this in my book. And the unfortunate part is many of them are not officers of anything and they have a title. And so they have to even understand where they are, what their organization wants to do with this work, and where they can impact. If they are a manager or a director that is embedded in talent management, they're not truly a chief diversity officer, but yet they can still make a difference, but they have to understand where they make it from their chair. And even those that are in the C-suite, and truly have that officer role, and they're being compensated as officers, they have to understand what type of influence that they can make. And make it from that standpoint and understand the organization. So diversity means many different things to many people. And the first thing you have to do is to define it based upon your space and understand where you are and how you can make a difference, because you can. It's just looks very different depending on where you stand within the organization or outside if you're working to support people that are in the work
0: love it love it love it that's so important you're so right but one of the things that i always ask though again we are diverse women women of color you know and diversity means so many different things you are right Whether that is diverse of age diverse of culture diverse of languages But one of the things I always come back to being a woman of color, an African-American woman at that, is that sometimes people always ask, what does it really mean being um, apologetically Black? What does that mean to you? You know, what that means to me is I have to own it
2: because when I walk in a room everyone knows that I am a black woman and it's no hiding that it's no getting around that. And it's not apologizing for who I am. And I may not be exactly like the next black woman because we all have different experiences. We all have uh, life adjustments and we are all different people and whoever you are, wherever you come from, you have to own that and Just flow with it and know that you're valuable and it's important for you to know your value and know your worth because today diversity has a huge value and never apologize for that. Always understand that a title means nothing, but the value you bring to wherever, whatever that space you're in, make sure you understand it and capture it
1: and don't apologize for. I love that. So given that um, you are clearly unapologetically Black, um, how then um, would you say you broke through different roadblocks on this journey, Um, given that there could be so many obstacles along the way, people who don't uh, truly feel vested in civil rights, uh, that it is really a numbers game, uh, people who think that diversity and inclusion is uh, yet another uh, uh, passing fancy another trend uh, just in general men and often white men who still preeminently are the c-suite holders how do you how have you navigated through those roadblocks
2: you know, that's a really tough one, and that is going to be something that anyone that is a growing in an organization will bump up against. I remember even uh, agreeing to take this role, and the mentor that I had, he was so upset. He's like, "How could you ruin our career like this? Why would you do that?" And um, what I say is that you have to get people in your life that are mentors, people that you can uh, trust, people that you can um, uh, talk with, and people that can absolutely have your back and be honest with you, and make sure that you know that you know what's going on. Now, when you talk about bumping up to obstacles, I remember having um, a guy, who was an executive, he was a friend of mine, he was a white guy. And he said to me, he said, niece he said, "I will be your eyes and ears because there will be conversations that they will have when you won't be in the room. And you won't be privy to that. But don't worry. I'll be there for you. I'll be listening and I'll make sure you have what you need. So you have to surround yourself with mentors, sponsors, confidants. You have to have your team. And as a woman, the team has to be even more expansive. It has to include people in your life that um, look after you. I have two kids. And so, uh, you know, being a corporate executive, that took you know, many hours during the day. Oftentimes, I was at the office at six uh, six thirty in the morning, and I wasn't getting out there until like seven, seven thirty. So you know it's okay to have your tribe that surrounds you, that supports you. So it's about having those folks inside the organization um, outside that are your mentors and then the tribe that supports the entire organization that you build.
1: Anise, I think that that is just an amazing thing. And I, and I don't want to gloss over something important that you said as you were giving that explanation for your your friend, your colleague to offer up eyes and ears in conversation, to even recognize to tell, and then to be transparent with you about it, that there will be conversations that are happening uh, and you won't be in the room and you won't even know the conversations are happening, much less what's going on Uh, with those conversations, to have someone offer up to be that support to you because they believe in what you're doing and they believe in you and your ability to execute for the benefit of those personally who will be affected by it, but the company, which will be all the better, I think is just impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to make sure that we don't overlook that um, and that this was not something that you came to that person and said, Would you do this for me? Isn't that right?
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, it wasn't something that I was thinking about. But, you know, it was that conversation at the time where it's very easy to talk about Black people in an organization, Hispanic people. But, you know, oftentimes they don't want you to talk about white people in an organization. And it was a conversation that he was listening to and he got it. And so, no, I didn't have to come to him. But what that also has inspired me to do is that, you know, for other chief diversity officers, you have to have organizational cover and many don't. So oftentimes they'll bring me in to have a conversation with their CEO or their senior staff that as people within the organization and that have to navigate the organization every day, they can't have but I can. And so I often think about that conversation um, with that friend of mine who said he would be listening and paying attention. And that's how I give back to other chief diversity officers by often having the direct dialogue
0: that they can't. And that's what's so exciting too, including about your book, because again, you highlight specifically profitability diversity, how economic inclusion can lead to success the question we have for you is that what is the one thing that writing your book did for you that you did not expect?
2: Well, what I didn't expect is that it would touch so many people because what it did is it allowed them to then say, you know what, I have a story about that, or I can make a change. Or I saw something in that book where I could make a difference. One of the big things was there was uh, another white male that I was working with, and he just kept telling me he could not be um, the sponsor of an African American uh, network. And I, you know, and it was it was a real struggle. And then one day he comes home, and his daughter has gone off to work, and she is sharing. Um, this terrible experience that she had. And all, all of a sudden he's realized, you know what? I can do this and I can make a difference. So what I didn't realize is just the small stories that I tell that they would connect to so many different people and their own
1: experiences inside their organizations. Amazing. Uh, And and given that, then, that experience, that certainly that C suite uh, insider experience, that experience in changing the mindset so that someone who uh, may be of the majority culture uh, is looking more broadly and how they can mentor and be a sponsor to an affinity group, uh, what's your best advice or suggestion for making the world at large? a better place? Because you're in the trenches. You've got your sleeves rolled up doing all this great work. How, 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 do, we, how do you see that making the world a better place?
2: You know, uh, that's that's really a big undertaking. I don't know that you can take that one little piece of advice and, and do that. What I can say is that um, wherever you can make a difference, no matter how small it is, make a difference. If you can ask a question, never be afraid if there's something you don't understand about someone, ask the question. And what I've gotten from um, the, the book is that oftentimes now I will get business students because they're using the book in business classes. And they'll reach out to me and they'll ask me a question. And what I'll remind them is that, you know, as a leader, because it's all about leadership, I also taught uh, uh, leadership to business students at Kellogg School of Management. And I would say, Ask the question. Never be afraid to ask the question. If there's something that you don't know about someone and there's something that you need to know, they will value you so much more um, by you asking them
0: about themselves versus you making an assumption. Love it. Love it. It's so important, like you shared, too, that you're helping the next generation, helping the students, whether or not they're in college, graduate school, and sometimes even high school students. Because now we're in a position that more of these high school students are aware and need to be on the path on their journey. So my question to you is that you have shared lots of wonderful things of, on your journey. But after discovering your path and living your destiny, what are the next steps you have for yourself in helping others to continue on their path?
2: Well, you know, my next steps, I, I say, are, are first about myself. And I say that whatever you're doing um, be selfish about it you know um, organizations will survive the people around you will survive but be selfish and put yourself first because if you do that everything else around you will survive because we
0: as women we take care. Everyone sometimes we have to get ourselves. So you sharing that's excellent. We really appreciate that comment. Uh, we give all the time, and we have to make sure that we have
2: people around us that uh, allow us that time to regenerate and to uh, make sure that we're cared for. You know, I'm fortunate. I have a husband who is also a human resource executive, so he's very very busy. But I can tell you uh, throughout my career. Um, that was part of my tribe, you know. Yes, I had you know my sister friends. I had my mom, and I had you know my my mother in law, who always were there when I needed them. But you know, um, I, I always often say that he was a better parent because he was always on the spot. And even today, when he knows that I need to regenerate, he's right there supporting me. You know, it's like those little things, like that cup of coffee that he brings me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you, you need that. You need people in your life that continue to
1: lift you up and push you forward. Absolutely. And, <laughs> uh, and when we, one of the things I've learned uh, is that we tend to uh, look at the word selfish as, as a bad thing and it may not be, Uh, and now the new moniker is self-care. And I think what's important is that we look at the ability of us to give in the ways that feed our soul, but if we only are giving and no one's pouring into us, we will soon implode there'll be nothing left to give anyone else and so we have to take that opportunity and it sounds like you've done that even as you help educate others and help companies grow in the area of diversity and inclusion which makes them better corporate community partners but the people within that to grow and be better individuals and human beings At some point, you're growing as well, it sounds like. And I think that that is just such a good, good piece of advice for us. Feed your soul. Feed your soul. Would you agree with that, Anise?
2: Absolutely. I would. I would. And if you're not doing things that feed your soul, you should be doing something else. Because life is way too short, and it goes by too quickly not to feed your soul.
1: It does. It does. Well, uh, we're uh, coming at the, the the back end of our, our talk with you. I've got a, just a couple more questions, if we can squeeze those in. One of them is... Um, there's so much that uh, Karen and I wanted to talk with you about and ask you. And, and we're certainly going to uh, bring you back because I can only imagine what our audience is is thinking right now as they as they hear these really impactful and powerful words. Uh, and this is irrespective of whether you're in a corporate environment, a nonprofit environment, a government environment, academia, wherever your uh, landing is. This is great information and tools that they can take with them. So for you. What's the one question that you wish someone would have asked you in an interview, but they haven't yet? That's a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) One
2: question that um, someone should have asked me in an interview. You know, I I think they often don't ask you about where you started. You know, Uh, they're often interested in where you are today, but not always about where you began the journey, you know, and um, I I say my journey began really um, when I was a young girl and I was inspired by my father who happened to be uh, an executive. Now they might ask you about the person, but not about the, the, the where and the how. And I moved with him and my mom all over the Midwest. And um, those experiences in in uh, meeting so many different people, um, they made me the person that I am today.
1: Wow, it sounds like that exposure and experience to different people and different circumstances helped you see clearly the human race, much less the black diaspora is not a monolith. <laughs> that is so true. And part of
2: that is because the people that I was around, I was very fortunate. We lived in uh, a lot of communities that didn't look like me, but yet um, those individuals accepted me for who I was. And I just find it astounding today that um, we're not as progressive in some of our neighborhoods and some of our communities as they were at that time.
1: And I would imagine that as you get these feeders into uh, corporate from college and from other areas that you're seeing more of that representation. Would that be true? Uh, Absolutely. Um, Every day. Well, we are going to work to bring you back um, because what we want to do is explore that point, which I think is really important as we look at how we can impact as women empowering other women. We wield a lot of influence uh, as women. And we want to, in our our homes, our immediate families, in our communities, as we are often the front facing to our children's education, uh, we want to be able to to really speak to that. Uh, Hopefully, you're open to coming back and talking with us again, Anise.
2: I would be. Thank you so much for having me today. And good luck with your, her
1: path radio. Absolutely. But before we let you wrap up, you shared so much with us today. Um, are and, and I've taken copious notes as I know Karen has. Um, <laughs> but what we ask all of our guests before we, we let you leave us is what are one or two pearls or takeaways that you would like to share with the audience out of everything you shared that they can put in their toolbox and, and use as needed. And certainly we're all of the mind mindset, each one, teach one. So what can they take away to teach someone else as they learn from it?
2: You know, I would say
1: do what you love, Mm
2: -hmm. you know, uh,
1: no matter what your work is,
2: do what you love um, and find a way to do that. You know, one of the things that I wanted to do uh, for many years is I wanted to be a writer and I found a way to do that by through doing my work. So do what you love and find a way to love what you do and then you'll never be working
0: Unbelievable. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and thank you very much, Anise, again, for being our guest speaker today. We truly appreciate it. And those who are sister friends listening in, remember, check her out. Check her out and also go purchase her book. You can find it on Amazon. It's Profitable Diversity. How Economic Inclusion Can Lead to Success. Her name is Anise Wally yes. little So please <laughs> check her out. We are so excited. She has blessed us today some great information, some great tips and tools that we can
1: use moving forward, and I hope you all enjoyed this. Absolutely, Anise. This has been wonderful. It's been really great discussion with you, uh, and you shared some takeaways that I'm sure everyone learned from, and we'd love to hear um, more from you when we invite you back. So, our audience, we're going to ask them to please send us your thoughts and comments as well as recommendation for other speakers and topics that you'd like to hear. Of course, we are all about women empowering women. Right, Karen? Yes, Lenita. Join us each month as we
0: continue designing your destiny and inspiring others to do the same. We'll connect with you next
1: time. Thank you. Thanks so much, everybody.